Welcome everyone to the third episode of season two of the Northern Spin podcast. I'm Michael Taylor, and as always, I'm joined by the banter king of Kent, or the cheeky chappy from Chorley, the ever so slightly more northern and marginally less Tory than he used to be, Chris Maguire. Well, I've always been conservative with a lowercase c, you it's know that. with a lowercase c. Yeah, yeah. You, you know that, Michael. Well, actually, let's talk about protests, shall we? How's your, uh, how's your boycott of the World Cup going? Oh, let me guess, you're not tweeting about it, but you've watched every game. Um, how do you know I've watched every game? Because you've been speaking about every game. No, I'm aware that the World Cup is going on. Yeah, anyway, Michael. I'm aware that it's happening. We'll move on from you your... You certainly won't have me in the um, freight island with my face painted with a St George's cross. Well, we'll move on from your uh, your protest, if you can call it a protest. It's been another big week for, um, for, for our podcast. Uh, we held our first ever live event at the People's Powerhouse event. We're going to talk about that later. There is a podcast, a bonus podcast available uh, on uh, all good platforms to listen to. We're going to talk about that later. But before we get stuck in, as always, Michael, we do need to say some very important thank yous. We do. We are the faces, I'm afraid to say, of the Northern Spin podcast, but we couldn't do it without our friends at What Media, who produce our podcast, make sure that the levels are right, make sure that we look okay, and in this fantastic studio here in the centre of Manchester. Uh, although What Media do our podcast, there is so much more to what they offer their clients. Commercials, TV ads, company videos, drone recordings, live events, live streaming, and a lot, lot more besides. Yeah, and I'd like to mention our sponsors at Oscar Technology. Um, every week we say a few words about Oscar, so I decided to look at their LinkedIn account. And what struck me when I looked at uh, their account over the weekend is that all their staff celebrate each other's success, and they're really genuine about that. Now, there's a, uh, a real team ethos, and they use these things called Oscarversaries instead of anniversaries, um, you know, when people have clocked up a number of years at the company. So a happy Oscarversary to Jasmine Boyer, uh, Sabrina Olsen, um, and also to Janet Kelly. They're celebrating their three-year anniversaries or Oscarversaries and uh, in Janet's case a nine-year Oscarversary. So uh, congratulations to them. Let's start by talking about the People's Powerhouse um, because we hosted this podcast. It would be fair to describe it Michael, I think you'd agree, as a more left-leaning audience and we agreed at the start that we'd introduce each other to try and make it fun and you immediately revealed that I used to work for the Daily Mail. Um, so thank you very much for that. But what stood out for you from the People's Powerhouse? What, that despite my very balanced and very warm introduction to you, that did indeed mention your politics and did indeed mention your former place of employment, yeah. no one was actually mean to you. No. So, yeah, they were left-leaning, but what did you expect? Did you expect them to be a foaming mob, no. the woke karate, who'd be there to lynch you and drive you out of town and cancel you? No, they were no. very friendly. They were very friendly. No, they, were, yeah. they were warm. They were warm, yeah. And what really struck out for me was that there are so many people out there who are struggling in communities across the north and that there are volunteers, advocates and campaigners that were very well represented at the People's Powerhouse uh, Convention at the Friends Meeting House in Manchester. They're really holding our society together. Some of the projects stayed for a good half of the day at least. Um, and hearing their stories and their testimonies, you could get quite depressed about some of the uh, lived experiences that they're helping people through. But you have to feel a little bit hopeful that we've got such a spirit of togetherness that um, that they're, they're leaning in and, and coming up with viable solutions. Um, most of the northern Labour mayors turned up as well. I know, I know that you saw Andy Burnham. Uh, ben Houchen, the Tory mayor for Tees Valley, he always complains, oh, where was my invite? But what they've done is they've screen grabbed their invite to him. They always invite him, but he doesn't turn up. 
And the Tories don't really like the People's Powerhouse very much. I remember Jake Berry once dismissed them as that lot with the poet. Mm. Yeah, because they do really embrace sort of culture as well. But the energy and ideas were absolutely palpable. It was also probably a much more diverse audience, I dare say, Chris, yeah. than you're used to. Is that fair to say? Um, and I think, therefore, I think the insights that um, that people offered were, were all the richer for it. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree with pretty much. Uh, I'd pretty much agree with everything that you've said there. Um, there were a lot of diversity actually, um, and and it was about the people. You really got that sense of it, it was about the people's powerhouse, not like the yeah. the one the previous week, which was much more corporate, which was the uh, the one organised by um, Henry Morrison and the Northern Powerhouse Partnership. Partnership yeah. yeah, I mean the whole the reason the People's Powerhouse movement established itself was because they were just fed up of it being blokes doing stuff to people and projects rather than it being, you know, putting the people into the new story about how we can rebuild the North and create a fairer society. I think this was a six people's powerhouse, but the first one since COVID. Yeah, two of, them, two of them have been online only and they were, it didn't quite capture the same level of energy. Now, the two things stood out for me from the People's Powerhouse, other than your introduction, um, I'm going to give you some words. Disgraceful, hopeless, shambolic, depressing. Now, they could be your words to describe. Were they describing our podcast? <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> now, I'll set them up and you just score the goals. Uh, no, they weren't describing our podcast, but it could have been. Um, in other words, uh, disconnected and disenfranchised. So I said to the audience, I said, right, what that, words... That was about our politics, Yeah, yeah, it? I yeah, said to the audience, yeah. I said, what word would you, you use to describe modern politics? And and it was quite a young audience as well. And uh, and and. And it was quite sad, actually. You mentioned about the fact it could be quite depressing, the words that they use, but there's definitely a disconnect. The other thing that I uh, that struck me was anger. And not anger in a, we're going to cause violence anger. There was anger about the... Or we're going to cancel a... Yeah, you just cancel the Daily Mail journal. No, absolutely, absolutely. There was none of that anger. Uh, I, I'll be honest with you. When they started, uh, you know, you know, pitting twigs and and fire down by my feet and, and set me on fire, I was starting to worry then. But you came to my rescue. But no, what there was anger about was the feeling that the North is the uh, poor relation. They get the thin end of the wedge. Andy Burnham, who, who spoke at the event, turned up. 20 minutes late, I think he had a previous engagement. He articulated this very well. Uh, and the lightning rod is the state of our trains. And this is coming back time and time again. We've spoken a lot about it on the Northern Spin podcast. Um, some figures came out last week that showed that only 33% of Avante's West Coast trains were on time between the 16th of October and the 12th of November. That compares with 45.8% for Transpennine Express and 48% for Northern. So the three major networks across our region have got awful um, punctuality times. Yeah, terrible. If, if indeed they stand at all. Now, on the same day, uh, Andy Burnham as the uh, People's Powerhouse, on the same day, Burnham and the four other Metro mayors for the North met Transport Secretary Mark Harper and demanded um, that the government take immediate action to tackle the rail chaos. There is a groundswell, a growing groundswell of opposition now uh, from the North, I think, and I think the government have got to sort this out. And if they, if they could sort the trains out as a, as a start of a 10, and obviously what the Conservatives are now doing and the government is they're now linking the train disruption to the strike action as well, yeah. which is probably a bit unfair. What's your view? It's, it's completely unfair. It's nonsense. The, uh, the problems on the trains are nothing to do with the fact that, the, that uh, there are strikes. They're everything to do with complete mismanagement of the railway by the train operating companies. I think they, they've also in themselves caused the strikes. I, I, I always ask when I'm on Stockport Station, I talk to the Avanti staff, and they say it's a shocking company to work for. I hope I'm not going to get anyone sat by revealing that. No names or anything, but you know they've changed their terms and conditions. Morale's an absolute rock bottom, and and that's probably equally going to be true across Northern and Transpennine as well. No, I think uh, it's a problem entirely solvable by the government. 
But what I think you've hit on there, Chris, by your observation about the anger that's, that's been transmitted at events like the People's Powerhouse Convention, and I think fair to say at the Northern Powerhouse event last week, is the North is rising. And people have got long memories. They remember how badly we were treated under COVID. More people were affected by the spread of the virus. More people, I think, were adversely affected by the much more punishing lockdowns, which people in the North had to endure. The, the damage to the hospitality industry in particular. And I think people remember those things. And there is that's why I think Andy Burnham got thrust to the fore as the King of the North, someone to stand up to this and change the political narrative. And I think it's a real wake up call for the Labour Party as well to realise that there's potentially um, an insurgency going on in the North, not just in Scotland. Mm, yeah, uh, like I say, and I sense that as well. But, but what I would say is that, you know, um, there wasn't this wasn't um you know it 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 wasn't like there weren't like violence or or there wasn't like you know no, um, it's, it's practical like solutions yeah, to be able yeah. to, to handle things politically but if i had one more observation i'd be interested in your view on this i'd like to see more business people people from your world uh, leaning in and getting involved in engaging with people and communities at this level so i did a session at the virtual people's powerhouse this time last year i invited katie gallagher from manchester digital and hannah cox from the better business network to join the discussion and they really enjoyed it talking about how ethical business and good modern innovative businesses in growing sectors of the economy like digital can play their part and that business doesn't have to be the enemy in some sort of class struggle between or, or driving down wages because frankly they're not so this is a week after all where a northern based private equity investment fund you know the absolute um, typical example, if you like, private equity is often held up as the possibly worst example of um, gangster capitalism in many ways. And yet Palatine, a business that was set up in the north to invest in businesses largely in the north as well, achieved B Corp status for their incredible work on sustainability. Uh, incidentally, in the same week that BrewDog lost their B Corp status. So what do you think about no. businesses getting involved in the sort of conversations we have? Well, you know, um, Brontwood for a long time have always given a percentage of, of their profits to yeah. charity. And they've been very, and actually, I say they've been very public about it. They don't make a big statement about it. It's just taken as read. What you're finding is increasingly a lot of companies are talking about the challenges that they've got with recruiting staff. Um, and actually, people who are going to companies now, they're asking about company sustainability policies. Yeah. They're starting about, you know, their, their um, you know, where, where stuff's being originated from. You look at the pressure that, that Boohoo are under at the moment. Um, so it's really coming to the fore now and companies have got to be really open, um, you know, about their sustainability approach, their environmental approach, what they're doing for their staff. I mean, I hosted an event last week and uh, uh, we're going to touch on it later, but I'll touch on it now. But I spoke to a company called Apadme and uh, Apadme are an agency. Right? Yeah, yeah, they're an agency based in Manchester. Um, Gary Partington's the chief executive, great business, work with a lot of companies like NHS and work with the BBC. And they've employed a sleep coach I said to him, don't bother. I said, just listen to, uh, just listen to our podcast. But they've employed a sleep coach uh, because their staff identified two things that were their top priorities. One was financial management. So they brought in some help from Financial, which is a uh, app developed by two sisters. And the other one is their approach to sleep. And, and companies are having to go a lot further now than just offering people money. It's so important. Yeah, it is. So we're going to just move in, moving the conversation on a little bit to the Conservative Party. Yeah. Um, Sajid Javid. What's, what's he been up to? Yeah, well, he's announced this week that he's going to quit politics. He's 52. 
I think he's had four or five terms. Um, he, uh, he isn't going to get a top government job. And he realises that uh, now's the time to announce because the deadline was given as the 5th of December. Actually, it's not binding that. So a lot of companies, a lot of, um, a lot of MPs have already announced they're not going to stand. Uh, Sajid Javid's one. There are rumours that a lot of the Red Wall MPs across the north have been courted by Nigel Farage's Reform Party. Um, I mean, if that's the case, they're yeah, more than welcome th th to go. This was talked about in uh, pre-2016 that uh, a lot of right-wing conservative MPs were going to join UKIP, but it never came to pass. I think there were just two in the end, um, Mark Reckless and Douglas Carswell, mm. who, who never really fitted in with UKIP anyway, and it's sort of Farage personality cult. Yeah, well, I mean, as I say, if anybody wants to join uh, the Reform Party, they can. They shouldn't be an MP, as far as I'm concerned. Um, Sajid Javid confirmed in a tweet on the same day that Labour's candidate, Samantha Dixon, won the Chester by-election with an increased majority. I looked at the stats. Apparently, it was the worst result for the Conservatives in Chester since 1832. Um, Angela Rayner described it as pelting for the Conservatives, which I think is a great word and an underused word. So Angela Rayner, keep using the word pelting. Uh, Samantha Dixon was always going to win. We said as much. Everybody else did. It's yeah, a great surprise. Yeah. Um, Labour won 61% share, which included a 13.6% swing from the Tories to Labour. Now, that's a mega swing. And, and the Tories candidate, when she appeared on the telly, didn't come across great. Um, should we read too much into that result? I think we should read a great deal into it. I think um, opinion polls are one thing, but real polls demonstrated by people turning out to vote, even in the bleak midwinter, to vote in a, in a by-election in a city like Chester is indicative of public opinion. And I think, as we predicted, Labour did very well because I think the public have frankly had enough of the Tories. I think it's over. The lies, the corruption, the lack of delivery, falling living standards, Johnson, Trust, Brexit, and they can't use their stock excuse anymore, which is we inherited a financial mess because of Labour. They can't use that anymore. They've been in power for 12 years. They're out of ideas. And as Roy Jenkins famously said, Labour is now <laughs> holding the Ming vase yeah. while carefully walking across the polished floor. So although Labour is uh, being quite cautious, uh, nevertheless, I think their message is striking home with voters that they're ready for change. So what do you really think then, Michael? <laughs> <laughs> so we, we, you mentioned before that we, we hosted a couple of roundtables this week. That's probably what's inspired my ire. Um, you hosted one with tech businesses. I hosted one with, about health inequalities in the north. You mentioned a little bit about the one that you did with Fairmont Recruitment. Um, what is the secret sauce then in Manchester's tech sector in about um, why it's doing so yeah, well. Absolutely, is it doing well? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's it's um, Manchester is officially the uh, the top uh, regional tech city, obviously outside of London. Uh, all the stats point towards that. Lots of companies relocating up here. I mean, obviously the cost of labour is cheaper than London, but it's still expensive. Um, I think what struck me, and we had about uh, nine or ten businesses around the table, was the sense of resilience among businesses. Um, David Levine, who's well-known, serial entrepreneur, Digital Bridge was his business. He now helps other people with business and finance and angel investment. Um, he was talking about there is a danger of talking up the recession and uh, looking at all the doom and gloom in the media. And actually, when you speak to companies around the room, Fairmont Recruitment being one, I mean, they are investing 
heavily. They're opening up a US office. So I'm always amazed by the resilience of the business community, but it can't be taken for granted. No, I think that's a really fair point. I remember in the uh, recession in 2012, around that time, Scott Fletcher, remember him? Yeah, very uh, much so, yeah. entrepreneur in Manchester. He said, I've heard there's a recession, but we've decided we're not taking part. Yeah, well, Scott Fletcher's <laughs> real... Was quite ballsy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he was with ANS Group, of course, which uh, he was, then... Which he then he sold, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, uh, he's all around the world at the moment. I follow him on Facebook. He leaves a great life. Okay. Um, what right. about your round table, Michael? Well, mm, yeah, it was, it was hard work in many ways, um, listening again to the amazing work that people are doing in the voluntary and community sector in Liverpool. It was with the Northwest, the round table was hosted by the Northwest Cancer Research. It was held at the Liverpool Medical Institute. Um, and really, the, the core issue was poor health being linked to economic inequality. If you're on universal credit, or even if you're in employment but it's precarious, mm and you don't have a well-being coach or a sleep coach in your business, then you are more likely to be anxious, to be stressed. And that therefore has all sorts of links to cancer and, and all sorts of other diseases. It's going to impact your physical and mental health. Now, most people will know Northwest Cancer Research as a, as a brand, as a name, because of the lab work that they do, researching ways in which we can address cancer and, uh, and find medical remedies, but they're also much, getting much more engaged with um, preventative medicine and preventative strategies to encourage people to leave different, leave different types of lives. Now we had GPs, community workers, Jane Corbett, the Deputy Mayor of Liverpool is a hugely impressive woman, um, and Dan Cardham. Now this was really interesting, Chris, the Labour MP for Liverpool, Walton, who spoke very candidly and very openly uh, as he has on many other occasions, about his own struggle with alcoholism. And he said, this city, Liverpool, has a very serious problem with alcohol. Now, I agree. Again, I think the country has. You don't drink, though. You're teetotal. No, I, but I, I gave up drinking 10 years ago. I, I'm 10 and a half years sober now. I've changed my life since I acknowledged that I had a problem with alcohol and I did something about it. This country generally has a massive problem and it's a hidden killer. And I, I do encourage my, 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 my kids to drink moderately if they drink at all. And um, have you got any thoughts on yeah, it? Yeah, I, I, um, I hosted a conversation about three weeks ago and we were looking at the issue of recruitment, which is, you know, a really big issue. And, um, and what was interesting, they were looking at the areas of Lancashire which have got the lowest employment um, and, and the highest unemployment and people who, who, who people who don't want to work, you know, for whatever reason, they've opted out of working as well. And what they said is that the uh, areas which have got the highest worklessness figures have also got the highest health inequalities. Yep. They've got issues of um, uh, alcohol dependency, um, you know, premature deaths. And also they've got the highest number of police call outs. So it stands to reason, this is what they're saying, it stands to reason that if you're not working, if you've not got that structure in your life, if you're not getting up, you're going to work, et cetera, et cetera, and you're at home all day, then the likelihood is you're going to drink more, you're going to smoke more. And if you drink more and you smoke more, then, then, then your, health, your health outcome is going to be worse. Um, so there's a huge effort to try and get those people back into work. Do you agree with that? In, in part, but I think it's about the type of work that people get, in, get involved in. I think if it is, as I said, precarious employment, if it's minimum wage jobs where uh, you don't have any time, whether you, you're constantly under threat of being sanctioned for your, for your benefits being clipped at the other end, um, or if you haven't got an understanding employer, then, then I think that can also have a detrimental effect on people's health if they're not sure where their next paycheck's coming from, if they're having to wait at the factory gate on a zero hours contract or, or something like that. 
I, I do. I, I think it's inextricably linked. I mean, I've, I've been working for the most part of this year at Stockport Town Hall, and the statistic that really drives the thoughts of lots of people working in the authority and on all political parties, to be fair, not just the one that I've been uh, assisting, is if you get a bus from Bramall to Brinnington, or if you the, the, the life expectancy of someone in Bramall at the south of the borough and someone in Brinnington at the north of the town centre, the life difference is 12 years. Blackpool similar, and there are areas of Wirral as well, which are similar. You literally go from one side of the borough to yeah. the other and your life expectancy drops by 15 years. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's shocking. So, whew, after all that, I know it's heavy stuff, but, you know, this is what many politicians, many people, community campaigners, many journalists have been saying, the North is rising. It's why we wanted to do this podcast. It's why we want to give a voice to the North. And on that, I think we should have a break. Yeah, I'll vote for you, Michael. Right, well, we're back for part two after the interview. Um, really thought-provoking first session there. I think Michael's definitely got on his, uh, you know, on his on his, on his his box, um, which is good. We like that. Now, this is the uh, latest episode of The Northern Spear. We're going to talk about an initiative by former Labour Prime Minister Gordon Brown. Um, Michael's called it Rewiring Britain Report. It's being announced today. We're recording this on Monday, and there's a big announcement today with Sir Keir Starmer is going to be talking about that, and you're going to be talking about that in a second, Michael. Um, I'd like to talk, uh, like to mention a couple of things uh, things and a couple more thank yous to our growing number of listeners we're up to 250 uh, followers now on twitter which is great you can follow us on twitter at northern underscore spin one join the revolution um, john shinnick did just that he's uh, listening to the podcast from a beach in cambodia which i have to say looked very appealing while greg broadhurst is one of the thousands of co-owners of fan-owned fc united of manchester he's also a big fan thank you to them have you ever been down to fc united of manchester yes i have i went during lockdown they had a they they opened the ground during um, COVID to a game with a capped uh, number of six hundred when they played Lancaster City. So I went to Broadhurst Park, and uh, yeah, I saw a one-all draw with Lancaster City, um, which is my hometown team. Well, I, I mentioned because obviously it was born out of the um, the Glazers, and there was so much unhappiness about the ownership of Manchester United that that these 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 um, these, these these fans and yeah. they are genuine fans decided actually yeah. we don't want to give any money to the Glazers. We're going to create our own club. And I used to watch Chorley, and whenever FC United came to town, they'd bring 2,000 fans. And they built this stadium, and I was there very early on when they built this stadium. And this is why it's interesting to me. So my daughter plays football, um, and she played for a team called Brighouse last year, and they played FC United. FC United, they played in the main stadium, the women. So they should, incidentally, uh, in the FA Cup. Uh, we won 1-0 actually. One of their girls suffered an horrendous broken injury, Ooh. a broken, broken leg. But it's a great club. Yeah, it is. And fair play to uh, everybody who's got involved in that. They've risen through the divisions. Um, they've gone back a stage. Yeah. But uh, yeah, may, may, they, may they continue to rise. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about this report that's been launched in Leeds on Monday afternoon. Um, there's been some chatter about the abolition of the House of Lords being the centrepiece of it. But it's much more profound than that. So I use the phrase rewiring Britain because that's a phrase actually that I've heard Andy Burnham use. And I think... I'd really like him to commit to Greater Manchester for a third term and to use the various issues that he's hustling with government on a daily basis with to make this point consistently that the country does not work in the interests of all its communities and that he's in a very powerful position as the mayor of Greater Manchester. And I think because he's the most experienced, probably the most charismatic of all the Metro mayors, 
he has got the opportunity and the platform to really advocate. And I'd love him to pick up a lot of the agenda items that Gordon Brown will be uh, speaking about. Do you think he'll stand for a third term? I don't know. No. I don't know. You think he won't, do you? No, I don't think he will. And, and like I said, I listened to him at the People's Powerhouse last week and uh, I congratulated him for his angry performance on um, you know question time and he said someone's got to hold him to account and I think he'll want to do that in Westminster but anyway mm. I'm interrupting anyway, yeah. no no you're not interrupting me at all but let me give you an example so last week um, the, the report is all about addressing the fact that the country is the most centralised in the industrial world yeah all of the key industries all of the key uh, sectors are all really in London and the South East. Let me give you an example about this. So last week on Friday, Andy Burnham launched a project, Innovation Greater Manchester, so that, to quote him, science and innovation can sit side by side with sport and culture at the heart of Greater Manchester's global brand. But he believes, and he's quite right in this, that the city region is not yet a go-to destination for international science and innovation investment. And it's not. It's not. I remember this was one of the very first issues that I got involved in when I returned to the North in 2000 as the editor of Northwest Business Insider, that a scientific project called the Synchrotron was located at the Rutherford Laboratories in Oxford instead of at Daresbury. And it was a massive uproar at the time that you know, supposedly the Tony Blair's Labour government was committed to addressing regional inequalities and then it goes and does something like that. And the chaos on the railways, as you explained in the first portion of the podcast, is another example of that. The divisive nature of our politics also contributes to it. And that's why Gordon Brown's report is so designed to address this issue in such a timely way, not just through the Westminster lens, which views everything as being, oh, they want to abolish the House of Lords. It's so much more than that. It's about resetting the balance of power in the country. Yeah, and uh, well said, actually. I think it's... Um uh, one of the things I want to talk about is Keir Starmer. What does he talk? You know, what does he stand for? Yeah, yeah. In a second, but in terms of Good this, brown. yeah. Well, in terms what of this, statesman. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, I've always sort of said, you know, uh, of our prime ministers, and we've got quite a few now, whose <laughs> yes. who's stock has gone up since they left office. And I would say, Gordon Brown's has. Uh, I'm not sure Liz Truss's has gone up <laughs> at all. Incidentally, um, there was a section in her book, um, or it's a book that's been written about her period in office, and the last line says some of the lines of, at least I can say I was a prime minister. And I oh thought, well, God. that's awful. That's that dreadful. Terrible. That's the worst terrible. thing possible. Um, but however, Liz, if you want to come on the show and defend yourself, feel free. You'll get a uh, you'll get a fair ride from uh, Michael Taylor, that's for sure. I think um, Gordon Brown's stock's gone up. I mean, his passion for tackling child poverty is huge. Yeah. Um, I think this announcement, and we're recording this on Monday, and obviously the, the announcement uh, from Keir Starmer and Gordon Brown is taking place today uh, in Leeds. I'm glad they've picked somewhere in the north. I'm glad they've not gone down to London for that. Um, they couldn't really. Could no, they, they couldn't. No, no, they absolutely couldn't. But I mean, I think there's 40 different initiatives in there. And one of the key ones is devolution. And Keir Starmer's trying to crystallise his messages to make them really simple. Yeah. The point he's saying is we can't, as Whitehall, keep imposing um, from Whitehall on the regions. We have to give more power to the mayors, people like um, people like Andy Burnham and uh, Steve Rotherham and, and, and Ben Houchin as well, um, you know, and the elected mayors. So, no, I think it's a very timely announcement today, and uh, I'll look forward to it. And I think it's serious politics as well. It's not just soundbite politics. Yeah. Now, one thing I think we've got to be really careful about doing is not just um, kicking into the Conservatives all the time, or they are You're the just government. Desperate to no, I know you like to do it. I know you like to do it. And I think 
I need to be the voice of reason. So I want to talk reason. about Keir Starmer. Well, I'm the more voice, reasonable, the more voice reasonable of Tories. Yeah. And more reasonable than you. Well, we can't all be Labourists, can we? Um, and as I mentioned before, Conservative with the lowercase c. Now, Keir Starmer, okay, a lot of people talking about him saying he's doing fantastic. Labour have got a 20-point-plus lead over the Conservatives in the polls. Labour whopped, whopped the toys in the Chester by-election. And yet I think Keir Starmer's got some serious questions to answer. Well, of course he has. He's yeah. a candidate for Prime Minister. He absolutely should. He's yeah, got, but, what, but... What are going to be his priorities? But so he's obviously on. been... He's been the Labour leader now for a couple of years, and I think he's now seen as being much the Prime Minister in waiting. So I think he needs to change, and I think he's just starting to do that. I think he is starting to do that. But... Um, what would be a fair settlement for striking workers, including nurses, whose unions have demanded somewhere between 17 to 19%? This is a question that Labour MPs are being asked time and time again. Okay, you are in charge. What would be a fair pay rise? Okay. I think they should uh, have an independent pay review commission for each of these key sectors and also to negotiate, get around the table, which they have been resolutely not willing to do, and negotiate and give... Uh, the workers a fair a fair pay rise. I mean, Mark Harper, the transport secretary. You, you can't you can't fund the kind of living standards that nurses require by clapping on the doorstep for them. Yeah, you know, you know, and that's what that's what Labour MPs are saying. But the point is, you know, what would be a fair pay rise? You know, if you were in charge, what would you give nurses? What would you give train drivers? What would you give postal workers? You know, you know, there isn't a magic money tree. There isn't. There has oh, to be. Oh come on! No, are there we, has are we to be back to magic money trees. I think it actually proved that, that, that during COVID there was a magic money tree, and all the money was being handed out to their mates. Yeah. To, to Matt Hancock's pub landlord and Michelle Moan and Doug Barrowman. You can keep talking about you can keep talking about that. You can keep talking about COVID. And listen, the Conservatives, and I'm not here to defend the Conservatives. The, where, the, where there's the will, where there's a will, there's a way. Contrary to what you say, I'm not. I'm not an apologist for the Conservative Party. I'm not. They've made horrendous mistakes. Liz Truss's period come in on, government. Come on, what what what? Liz Truss's period. What more's on on Keir Starmer's agenda? Liz Truss's period in as Prime Minister will go down as the biggest disaster ever. You know, and that fiscal budget or whatever it's one of, they want to call it was an absolute disaster. But the point is, if Labour were in charge, what would they give as a pay rise to nurses who who absolutely deserve a big pay rise. I spoke to a nurse last week. She said to me, Chris, she said a lot of companies are dropping down to four days a week but paying for five days. She said nurses uh, are working for five days and being paid for four and have done. So we need to address that. That's that 20% imbalance. There is a massive issue with nurses. I'm 100% behind them. The question is 17 stroke 19% is a lot. Uh, what I'm asking is, what would Labour pay as a reasonable pay rise? Two striking workers. Okay, so Keir Starmer's made a big play on the windfall taxes for energy companies, and I get that. It plays very well to the uh, to his to his uh, audience. Now, the French oil giant, Total Energies, have said it will cut North Sea oil investment by 25% next year after the windfall tax on oil and gas firms in the UK was extended. Um, I'm not against windfall taxes. I'm absolutely not. What I would say, it's a lot easier in opposition, and I think Starmer's going to find that out in the next yep. general election, I when, think that's he wins, yep, when he wins, when he wins. Now, Starmer's created some clear dividing lines and some, some clear battlegrounds yep. with the Tories. Yep. And he's right to do that as well. I mean, I don't know if you listened to PMQs this week. I thought, I thought Starmer won it, but I also thought Rishi Sunak has got to start answering questions. He doesn't answer any questions. He doesn't. No, he just um, showboats. And it, he uses that last one at the end where Starmer doesn't have the opportunity to come back yeah. to just do these little rants, which they then clip and put on social yeah. media. And I'm glad, actually, that he didn't bring up uh, Corbyn. I mean, that, that boat has sailed. He can't, keep, he can't keep bringing up, you know, the MP for, is it North Islington or, yeah. or Islington? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Starmer's plans to abolish the House of Lords, I mean, we've touched upon it. You know, he's made a big play about that. 
that. Um, but that apparently has put him on a collision course with Gordon Brown. So my question to Keir Starmer is this. Keir, if you're listening, you are welcome on the show. Um, where's the hope? You know, where's the inspiration? We spoke about the party conference in Labour uh, in Liverpool, which you attended, actually, and we did one of our podcasts from there. And I said that when he stands at the lectern and he gives his speech, if he can give a message of hope, if he can give a message that it'll be a lot better under a Labour government, I think he will win the country. Much the same way, incidentally, as Tony Blair did, your hero, back in the day. Now, what I'm hearing from Keir Starmer is, is, is pragmatic politics, which I applaud. Yeah. But where's the hope? Where's the inspiration? I'm not hearing that. Am I being unfair? Uh, yeah, I think you are slightly. And I think your, your choice of the words collision course with Gordon Brown is what the Daily Mail would have you think when they're not demonising nurses or attacking Angela Rayner for connecting with the public by dancing at a fundraiser for the homeless. I think our event last week, you quite rightly detected the widespread cynicism that there is in politics. I think Keir Starmer is uh, both a product of... His own background, you know, he's a lawyer, he's, he's worked his way up, he's had to reshape the Labour Party, he's had to detoxify the Labour brand and help the party recover from its worst ever election defeat under its worst ever leader, Jeremy Corbyn. And, and I think he's got to this point. And let's, let's not forget, Chris, you, you, you have quite rightly synthesised what the state of the country is at the moment. And to go in and promise a Barack Obama-style hope and a new vision for the country, I think it's right that politicians should seek to do that. And I think Labour is at its best when it offers a very compelling vision for the future, as it did in 45, 64 and 97. But what I don't think Keir Starmer can do is be a false prophet. Frankly, this country has seen enough of slogans on the side of buses, promises to get Brexit done or create a country that works for everybody or spare the country from, as David Cameron promised, chaos under Ed Miliband. So I think Starmer is being cautiously not offering the, um, all of those things because, frankly, the country's had quite enough of um, hucksters promising the earth. So, so his, his tagline would be honest Keir. Yeah, why not? Honest, competent, and not like this lot who've completely um, crashed the economy. Now, if you listen I think, to this, I think that is a very strong com and compelling narrative that yeah. isn't offering the false hope. And it, and I think once in power to say, right, we've got a big job to do. This needs to be a two, three, four-term government to actually transform the country. Whenever you get passionate about politics, you point your finger at me like that. You point as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, let's point at each other as we go <laughs> off for a quick interval. Welcome back to the third section of this episode of the Northern Spin Podcast. I'm Michael and this is Chris. This week we've got another bonus episode with the hugely impressive Vilma Rapidu, LEP member, and uh, she's going to be on the Northern Spin Extra. And we're looking to do more live events. We enjoyed our last one, didn't we? We did. It was our best event yet. Um, <laughs> now... I've been to my first Christmas party. Um, the Christmas tree is up. It's up for the 23rd year running. Incidentally, my mum and dad have decided not to put their Christmas tree up and they've had the same Christmas tree for over 50 years. But mum said, what's the point? I'll only have to take it down again. Which oh. I thought was quite sad. Um, I've got my Christmas playlist on Spotify. Incidentally, did you get your update on Spotify that tells you what songs you listen to? Yes. Yeah. You know what song I've listened to the most this year? Jennifer Rush. <laughs> what's all that about? 
And apparently I listened to it 10 times. Somebody's not, hacked my account. Not Roy Orbison then. No, 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 no. I mean, I don't know why I've listened to Jennifer Rushmore. Anyway. Or Jim Davidson. No. <laughs> or Roy Chubby well, Brown. Okay, well, what do you listen to then? Oh, well, I'm a radio DJ, so yeah. I've got all sorts of stuff. So what, one of the things I do is actually I, I find the songs I like the best that are my absolute go-tos. And then I create a radio playlist that, that generates about 20 songs that are a bit like it. And, and often it updates it with new things that are a bit like it as well. And my go-to on that one was It's My Life by Talk Talk. Also, More Than This by um, um, Roxy Music. And the song I've probably listened to most this year is called True Love Will Find You In The End by Daniel Johnston. And the hundreds and hundreds of cover versions of that amazing mental health album uh, anthem wow well i tell you what, you do get passionate about music um i uh, I, I said to my uh, i went out for dinner with my uh, eldest daughter at the weekend and i said hey i said i've created a christmas playlist and i said let's play a game you know can you guess what's on my playlist and she got about two out of ten so i'm going to tell you a couple of my christmas crackers okay hallelujah by alexander burke which is not a christmas song yeah but it's great at christmas um holy night by celine dion terrible yeah, no, it's not. It's not. No, this is the problem, you see. Have you listened to it? Have of course you... I have. No, no, listen to it. I want you to listen to it. Make <laughs> this right. your mission. Holy Night by Celine Dion. It really gets you. And actually, I know you're a big fan of Elton John. Um, well, you look a bit like Elton John. Merry Christmas by Ed Sheeran and Elton John. I look nothing like Elton John. Everyone I don't of... like Elton John. And he's recorded Merry Christmas with Ed Sheeran. Everyone a banger. Is that, is that a cover version? Um, I don't know. Is, I don't, it, is it the Slade Merry you're Christmas, the everyone? You're the DJ. I, I don't just, know. I just listen to music. Well, I, don't, you know. I don't play rubbish like that on yeah, our show. I just, you just carry on protesting against the World Cup by not tweeting about it. Now, I've got a big question for you, and this is a sort of question that, you know, fans of our podcast need to know the answer to. Okay, if you had to choose between Quality Street, Roses, Celebrations or Heroes... What would you choose as your chocolate choice of Christmas? Sorry, is this the Northern Spin podcast no. or Chorley FM? <laughs> Coming in your ears. No, what's your favourite chocolate? Uh, out of them four, I think I'd probably go for Heroes. Heroes, Quite okay. traditional, Cadbury's. Okay. Yeah. Boring. Yeah, it is, yeah. Safe. Yeah, absolutely. Not Chaos. Chaos under Red Miliband. Okay. Heroes with Michael Taylor. Okay. Right, so while we're on a Christmas theme, I want to give a bit of a shout out to my wife, Rachel, who's commissioned an incredible Christmas animation from Doodle Doo Animation Studio in Manchester, depicting the life of someone who might need the essential support from her charity, Caritas Salford. And yeah, I tell you, I, I defy you to, to watch that and not have a tear in your eye. It's an incredible, incredible piece of work. She also runs a youth group in Stockport where the kids wrapped up presents, no spoilers about what was in the box, by the way, for the people who access the Wellspring, which is a service in Stockport. Um, the theme here, though, in both of those is dignity. Yeah, it's not about soup kitchens, secondhand clothes, you know, the kind of rubbish that you'd throw out but instead you you give it to someone because they're homeless it's actually about giving presents to people who deserve to just have that little bit of joy and enrichment in their life at this at this time of year when they're comparing themselves to others to your own brother or sister you won't yeah. give them a an old coat with holes in it or no i wouldn't hand socks no 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 i wouldn't i wouldn't ask i don't give them anything ah well there you go right finally chris it was st andrew's day last week the uh, patron saint of Scotland. And I was reminded that my favourite Manchester cafe, Coffee Pot on Oldham Street, was punting out the abomination that is a full Scottish breakfast. It's an abomination, I say, because it has no beans, but it has lots and lots of meat. Right. Steak slices, eggs, fried bread, uh, fried potato cake, 
sausages, lot of fried lots stuff. of bacon, lots of fried. Yeah. yeah. Deep fried Mars bar. Oh, no, no, it doesn't have that. Um, and it got me thinking, Chris, in your quest to be more northern, how do you take your full English breakfast? And is there a Kent variant yeah. with the extra emphasis on the sandwich? Yeah. Given that's where you're from. No, actually, I am from Sandwich. And yeah. I think I've told you before, actually, that I, um, I, I come from a place near Sandwich, and there's a place near Sandwich called Ham, and there was a sign that was Ham Sandwich. And then people would stop their cars and get their picture taken next to this sign that said Ham Sandwich until okay. the authorities, until the local highway said, this is a danger. <laughs> and they actually removed the ham. Um, um, no, <coughs> I would say that um, <coughs> I regularly, <coughs> excuse me, I regularly take my wife out to Harvester in Chorley and we go on a... Uh, we you go on really a, know how to treat yeah. her, don't you? <coughs> no, we like it. We like it. And, and I always go for the full English. Um, uh, you can't have an English without beans, as far as I'm concerned. I never eat black pudding. I prefer poached Co eggs. And I prefer post eggs, and <clears throat> the more mushrooms, better. There used to be a work colleague and my wife, a massive Labour fan. You'll get on, you get on like a house of, uh, you get on like a house on fire with him. He used to have a um, a boiled egg every day, and if it, he used to call it a socialist egg. If he couldn't dip his soldier in his egg, it wasn't a socialist egg. Now, is that a fair analogy? It's a very funny one. Yes, I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I like the full English, and. Um and, and I'm absolutely with, I recommend anybody just go onto Google and search Dave Angel full English breakfast and you'll get my, <laughs> my views on the absolute go-to breakfast. I watched that video today. Yes, yeah. it's very good. Um, yeah, I do. I, I love nothing better than a full English breakfast. And I'm sorry to my Caledonian cousins and I have many Scottish friends, but I'm afraid I can't live with a full Scottish breakfast. Yeah. These beans. Now, I'll tell you what I want for Christmas. If you're thinking about getting me something, I'd like tickets to see Peter Kay. Thanks, oh, Michael. Wouldn't we just? We both love Peter Kay. And I was so pleased to see how much people seem to love his opening gigs at the AO Arena in Manchester, despite the desperate review from the ridiculous Daily Mail, which had me thinking it was a spoof it was that poor. Wokarati, this is the headline, seriously. Wokarati will be crying into their Che Guevara T-shirts. Yeah. Because Peter Kay doesn't do jokes about Brexit and stuff like that. I mean, honestly, get out more. Yeah? You can't stop blame me. making stuff up about Gary Lineker and Angela Rayner. You, you can't keep blaming me um, for everything in the Daily Mail. I worked there 20 you. years ago. I'm not blaming ago. you, but I'm asking you. You need to take a chill pill, Michael. You need to, you need to, you need to, you need, need to relax. You need to put on your Hawaiian T-shirt. Um, stop worrying about what the Daily Mail says. Incidentally, I thought the video of Angela Rayner bopping along to Entrance's Only Love Can Set You Free, which I'm tempted to sing right now at a homeless charity event on Friday in Manchester was brilliant. And I think stuff like that, politicians should do more of. Yeah, um, so that was the uh, Bed Every Night fundraiser at Freight Island in Manchester. With Andy Burnham and Steve Rodham. Yeah, they were doing a DJ off and Ange joined them on stage. I yeah. thought it was great. It was. But Dan Hodges of the Mail on Sunday yeah. thought, he. I think he said, I like Angela, but this does not convince the public that Labour is, a, is serious. Mm. I thought, why not? Yeah, poor. What's wrong with that? Yeah, well, I've um, I've unfollowed, uh, unfollowed. I, I never followed him in the first place, Dan Hodges. That would be a woeful admission. But I've muted him because okay. I don't like people on Twitter who only divide. I don't like it, and he does. Yeah, that's true. Well, anyway, that's all for the third episode of season two of Northern Spin. We're now on Apple Podcasts. In fact, we've been on Apple Podcasts for ages. Please give us a five-star review or a fulsome tribute on there. Tell your friends, your family, your foes, anybody. Give us a listen. Thank you once again to What Media for recording this podcast, to Oscar Technology for sponsoring it, to Elliot Taylor for providing the music. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Northern underscore Spin One. This has been Northern Spin, and I'm Michael Taylor. And I'm Chris McGuire. Thank you.